If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Ah, I made it just in time. <laughs> that is the illustration of my life right there, by the way. I'm 15 minutes early. Yep. Coming in. Sure. I'm like, okay. I'm still a little hungry. Really haven't eaten much. I'm going to go over and get some chips and salsa across the street. It's about three minutes away. Why well, hang out with Coos for any longer than I have to? Heard that. So then I go over. All I want chips and salsa. Just it took a couple extra minutes than I thought it would take. Yeah. And here I am strolling in as the show open is starting. Sure. But yeah. that is my that's my one by the way. So there's a you. lot of people that would like to just settle in, get ready to sure, go. Sure, sure. I, Not you, man. Now, well, usually I'm getting a little more something productive than going to get chips and salsa. Yeah. But that is the story of why I'm often late. That that little 10-minute cushion. Yeah. I don't like the cushion. I say seek something else in. Hey, Koo, is, is, is your excuse buzzer going off right now? Is it is Why would I have an excuse? High? I was on time. Oh, I mean, I don't need hey, an excuse. Hey, hey, three to one thirty, surely not on time. Just go ahead and think ESPN that we had some stuff to run today before you got here. Cause do we usually go on about three oh one and forty seconds? Yeah, they run a they run an update. Yeah, Coos, Coos, did I start hold, the show today? Was I the on. first person to talk today? Hold on, but what sometimes they don't want they don't send the rundown. We have to go in raw, let's just call it, and then sometimes we start a little earlier. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's all I'm trying to say. Hey, we don't gotta get all defensive on a casual Friday now. Well, listen, there's no excuses. Uh, excuse would be when I'm late, which is like two other times a week. Okay. <laughs> this happened. I'm just giving you a little behind the scenes sure. of how it happens. This sure. is how sometimes I'm late. Blame the <laughs> chips and salsa. Oh, blame the chips and salsa. Hey, dude, I don't care, man. Like, if you want to talk to the bosses about it, talk to the bosses about it. But you're, you're preaching to deaf ears right now, man. Listen, I've established that I don't late. care either. You're you're the <laughs> boss, man. So you can do whatever you want to do, Brent. You just do you, man. I don't care either. And yeah. I appreciate that you don't care either. You can get a warm welcome from Austin Lane yeah, absolutely. here on the show. And maybe even on a Friday. I got you guys. Uh, Austin doing some tutorial work once again. Have yeah. the Jags stopped you from doing that? Have they said, hey, uh, can you stop putting that video out there <laughs> no, and stop man. teaching about the young guys? Well, hey, listen, or are they going to hire you? And, and I'm sure people are sick and tired of me breaking down the defensive line. It just so happens that every single time that I'm there, the defensive line is what's in front of me. Right? Like they have the offensive line down in a different end zone, which I can't get to. The receivers are kind of off in midfield where I can't get to. So, like, the defensive line are right in front of me. If you guys want to see tight end breakdowns, I can break those two. You know what they did today? They hit the pad a little bit with their hands. That's all they did. Okay? Not, not much the tight end soft? Not even close, man. I'm just saying, and once again, all due respect to tight ends out there, so you know what that means with all due respect. I'm just saying I think there's a little more intricacies with the defensive line and the drills that they do as opposed to the tight ends. Yeah, Obviously, I'm kidding. I, well, I, the hoop drill was a good yeah. – that was a good, quick, educational thing. I like the videos. I'm serious. Cool. I like – listen, we can't – right now, we can't do the wall that says it all. We can't. There hasn't been a lot to put up there, number one, yet. But also just kind of the way we're trying to stay socially distant in the studio and all that stuff. Quite frankly, you're not allowed there yeah. um, uh, near the wall that says it all. So – 
this is good. I like this. This was see, this was quick. Mm-hmm. It was easy for me to understand. Cool. And I felt like, hey, that made a lot of sense. Like, maybe I've heard it before, but maybe I've tuned it out before. Sure. But when you said, like, uh, it was Chase on. Chase on, correct. And you said, either way he goes... Uh, and it looks it similar. Looks, it looks pretty which consistent. Which means he doesn't have, uh, he doesn't favor one hip over the other. Well, essentially, yeah, he doesn't have any deficiencies because yeah. usually a defensive end or a pass rusher is going to favor a side. The side that they favor is usually the side that has the, the looser tight or the looser hips, right? Yeah. Because it's easier to, to that move makes on. sense. Yeah. So there you go. And then, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if they're taking note or not, but I, I will say this. It's uh, Coach Rebs, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's a defensive line coach. Yeah. He, he saw me filming today. He's like, hey, what's up, man? I'm like. What's up, coach? That's all we kind of got, so I'm not sure. You don't know him at all. I don't know him at all. No, yeah. no. But he said what's up to me, so seems cool. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I like what he's doing from the drill perspective, so I like that. You know what's interesting about out there? I haven't asked this question. Uh, no, it's been either I haven't been in the place to ask the question or just it, it is a little different in the Zoom settings. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of get one question. Maybe you get a little follow-up here, but it's it's hard to check the boxes sometimes uh, from a media perspective. But I was thinking, like, we have seen some – Different drills out there at camp. Sure, I'm, the hoop drill is not a different drill. I'm not getting that one. But no, there, that's, that's a staple that I've, I've always sucked at. By the way, well, 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 you know, the hard. dirty dancing one that you you described. Didn't you describe that? No, the that, left? that was Marcel Robinson. Oh well, he pushed it out there, but yeah. didn't you describe oh, yeah, what it was? Right. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, but I think more uh, other people had pushed it out there. Yeah, yeah. But then there were some other. It was just some different stuff being out there. What I wonder is, and this is probably just coaching in general. You go out and get. New drills, new ways. You new yep. uh, Milo does that from a strength and conditioning standpoint. I'm sure some of these position coaches do it yeah. from their standpoint. They get taught things. There's coaching conventions. There's yeah. there's a lot of communication that goes on. But there are different ones, and I wonder if there's specifically different ones this year nailed more it. than more than normal. You nailed it. So a prime example, and I see this all over online. Like everyone's posting about this. They call it the the shoe shine drill. I yes, guess I've seen, seen that. that one. Yes. Right. So essentially what it is, it's a special teams drill, and it appears like, you know, the person is shoe-shining the punter's foot, right? Yeah. Well, no. Okay, like there's there's something to it. And and I, I've seen this everywhere, and people are making fun of it. It's actually, it's actually a genius drill, and I assume Joe DiCamillo's is one of the masterminds behind it, if not the first person. I've never seen it before until this training camp. But essentially what you're doing is you're trying to find the block point. Um, on special teams, all right? Every punter has a block point, they call it. And the block point is where you have to put your hands in order to block the football. Now, you think it's easy, right? You're running full speed. Go block a football. Easy enough, right? Not that easy, though. Keep in mind, someone's going to be trying to be blocking you. Someone could be holding you. And if you miss it, like, you have to keep keep your hands together, and everyone's got a different block point. So the, and right, you don't want to run into the kicker. Exactly. You can't run into the kicker either. That's going to be a penalty. You're going to get shoot out in the sidelines. It's not going to be pretty in front of your family. So with that being said, the block point drill teaches where exactly you put your hand and the angle that you take to that center point. Right. So the shoe shine drill is essentially the block drill on steroids where traditionally in practice, you maybe get like two or three reps per person at it. You're getting like 25, 30 reps per pop. Hmm. And I think with COVID-19, obviously, and the, the practices being limited, they decided, you know what, let's boost this thing on steroids a little bit. Let's get as many reps as possible. And that's where that shoe shine drill came from. So actually, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. drill. Yeah, pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, see, but I, I, we've noticed that there are yeah. some different ones. You've been around the game a long time. Haven't seen that. Maybe it has existed. Maybe someone pulled it back from 
1994. Who knows? So I think we might have to ask the coaching staff a little bit about those. Uh, it's been pretty fun to see some of that, and we'll see if it's effective. Who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. but it's a good way to keep things fresh for guys that have played the game for a long time. Freshen things up a little bit. There's a lot of monotony about camp. Yeah, yeah. So I would s- assume if I'm a veteran and some of these things are a little bit new, that that's kind of fun. That's Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Uh, I had asked Avery Jones. I think it was Avery Jones. Yeah. I asked him. I said, what's your favorite drill to do? Yeah. And... I was expecting like something like the hoop drill or the yeah. whatever drill or whatever drill. And he's like, uh, I like third down drill because I get to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Avery answer. Yeah, that's yeah. a good Avery yeah, answer. Yeah. So dude, that was a few weeks ago. I'll tell you but. what, man. For, for a guy that's so quiet and just low key, he sure is a funny dude, man, when he wants to be. He you is. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. yeah he's got a ton of personality, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. No, you, you obviously know I'm going to say he owes me money, all that I stuff. Know. And yeah, 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 yeah. He's got, he's got, obviously got alligator arms. He's got alligator arms. Uh, but he does have a big personality. Hey, hard to play no cycle with alligator arms. Don't know how he does it. He does it. Just when it comes to his bank account. Correct. Uh, that is it. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Friday. Hope everybody is doing well. Sports uh, resuming for the most part. Uh, we'll get some NBA basketball uh, tomorrow. Uh, there are still a lot of... Uh, uh, this, there's a lot of discussion going on around sports. I mean, it hasn't ended. That wasn't like a 24, 36, 48 hour thing. That is going to continue. I want to ask you a little bit in a minute about the Baltimore Ravens, what they did, uh, and kind of specific statement. I, I think that resonates with folks. I think it was Adam Schefter who said he talked to somebody else said this might be the best statement I've ever seen put out. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, that's how it was received because it has some specific things to it, uh, much like in a totally different respect, but the We Are United, mm-hmm. you know, college athletes campaign that, that we were talking about a few weeks back, that was very specific. That was very detailed. It's like, here's what we want. Well, this has been a muddy topic in terms of, okay, what does change look like? We've talked about that the last two or three days. Well, the Baltimore Ravens put out, here's what change looks like, at least in the interim. Mm-hmm. There's still a long-term impact here, too, and it's a, it's a long journey. But here's, in the short term, what change would look like. So I thought that was very interesting. We'll get into that a little bit later on. I also did a little research today. Uh, not a lot. <laughs> no, but I did, I did do a little research today, and I found this fascinating. Because, you know, we have been talking about it uh, on air and off air. And I said, well, what, again, what changes? You know, mm-hmm. we've seen historic sports protests at times. Has it turned into change? And so I was very curious about that. And I think the change part is still hard to quantify at times. But we'll go over a couple of examples, and there are a lot of them, about protests in sports and some that have worked and some maybe that have worked more than I know it has worked. Mm -hmm. But you kind of wonder, did it work? You know, or was it just an attention getter and in terms of change? Because there's two parts of protest, right? Get people talking about it, get the attention. Well, that was mission accomplished this week once again. Mm -hmm. But the second part of it is, okay, actionable change. That that, that is like the hot word right now is actionable. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm going to go over all the way their history books. We'll go all the way back, all the way back, like 1880s, which it even started then. But I'd say in the last 50, 60, 70 years, what are some of the things that were done that did create change and some that were done but maybe didn't? create change just proof that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't yeah and you know you, you sent us the article um about like kind of like all the protests that have gone down uh throughout history and in, in the world of professional sports 
And yeah, I mean, and so I'll be honest with you, some of them I, I didn't even really recognize. So it, yeah, me too. It, it was cool to do a little research on it, do a little history on it, and and I'm sure some of these things out there people might be new to. So it, it'll be a, a refreshing experience for everybody. I feel like. Yeah, and I think also there's one other note about that that I'll tell you. There's a trend too, uh, mm-hmm. and and I'll um, get to that in a, a little bit. The Big Ten. Could they play in 2020? Not necessarily part of this season. Well, part of this season. Yeah. But it's a delayed season. So now we go from a January start to maybe even a Thanksgiving start. We'll see. It it certainly has indications that not only – we know the football people are wanting to play. We know the coaches want to play. We know the players want to play. We know the parents want them to play. We know the ADs would love to get them to play. What we don't know is where the presidents sit on it, but you almost get, as these rumors go around, you almost get the idea that even the presidents and all these folks on campus know, man, did we pull the plug on this too early? Because that's clear as day. They made a mistake. They made a mistake in pulling it too early. Did they make a mistake in stopping the season? Well, that's too early to write that story. But they certainly pulled the plug too early, and they had more time to work with, which I still don't understand. I, I just don't get. Like, how can you be in a leadership position and say, we need to decide by today? Yeah. When you have seven or eight weeks to go before the season could even begin. It made no sense. Like, how are these, how do these people get in these positions? I know. Well, and listen, if the Big Ten does indeed to play at, plan and play after Thanksgiving, it begs the question, what is the, yeah, that'll be great for the players, obviously, and that helps out the players. You know what? That's probably the most important thing right now is the players playing, so I don't want to lose sight of that. But you got to ask yourself, what is that going to look like from the Big Ten leadership you know, perspective? What's it going to look like when it says, well, you know what? We're the first ones to say we're not going to play this fall. Oh, no, we didn't say we're not going to play this fall. We meant, like, after Thanksgiving. Everybody calm down. Like, you, you got to stay in your lane. Well, they're going right. to say fall because the fall semester ends. Yeah. So they're yeah, going to basically yeah. say, no, hey, I hear yeah. you, you but, I mean? but, but you know what it is, though. Right? Oh, we know yeah, what it is. Exactly. So I just, I'm happy that the players can get a chance to play and, and showcase their film, which is the most important thing once again. But I wonder how this is going to look if the Big Ten decides to change their schedule once again, play after Thanksgiving. How is that going to be perceived by the rest of the college football world? And and you know, I really we were the pioneer and trying to do something new and say, you know what, we're going to make a stand right now and not play. Now you're going back on your word a little bit. You're switching lanes. I wonder how that's going to come across in the world of college football. Yeah, and we talk about perception, and sometimes we talk about perception too much in a way. The reality is, perception would be a heck of a lot worse if they don't play and they should have played. Sure, but correct. Perception could be really good if they were right all along. So, and everybody loves to be right, especially now. Uh, AEW, last night you were there? I was there. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about it because they had fans back. I want to see how that went. Yeah, um, I was going to get ready to photobomb you guys. There's some Action Sports Jacks uh, colleagues there I saw. I was going to ready to photobomb in the background. Bro. Action News Jacks, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, we'll, Action News We'll Jax. include them in the sports well, department. Well, it's a sport, so. right? Yeah. Wrestling? Was Christy there? I didn't see who it was. Uh, I, just, I, think, yeah. I think Christy Turner might have been there, and okay. she could clearly be on Action Sports Shacks because she was college lacrosse player. Well, there you go, then. Action she Sports knows her Sports. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Christy who was uh, doing that story okay. last night. All right, uh, we're going to take a time out. We come back. We begin with football all the time. What's the latest? Gardner Minshew talk today. Uh, Doug Barone, Jaguars practice, very light day, one of those maintenance things. But the scrimmage tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, this will feel more like a scrimmage scrimmage, I think. The other scrimmage didn't feel like much of a scrimmage, if I'm being totally honest. I get the feeling this might feel like it. This is like the last test because you're going to start to taper. The countdown is 16 days away from the regular season. It's all about getting there healthy. This is a, a maybe the one final exam of training camp is coming up tomorrow. What's it look like for the Jags? We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690.
Brent Martineau. How many push-ups did you do in three minutes? Did you try the challenge? Austin Lane. I don't, I don't need lactic acid build up when I'm in fight camp. Brent, you kidding me? Take my word for it. I've more than you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Bud Light approached me and um about and had this great idea to partner something with fantasy football and free beer. Figured that's about about the best combination there is. So we made it happen. It was a lot of fun, and hope everybody picks me first. Uh, he gets how it is, doesn't he? That's Gardner Minshew asked about the Bud Light spot. It's good. Uh, you know, he was asked uh, about how, you know, these paid things. Mm-hmm. Are you just trying to kind of take advantage of the fame right now and how long it lasts? And I think there's an element of that. But he also said, hey, I've turned down way more than I've, I've taken in terms of paid gigs. Uh, so, I, and I think that's true. Oh, um, I mean, we heard it last year with that Cam Soda, man. Millions of dollars. He was asked about that. Oh, he he? kind of laughed. All right. Uh, he didn't really specifically say anything, but he just said. Pass it my way, Gardner. I'll take that money. <laughs> what are we talking about here, man? He's like, uh, but, you know, listen, that's that's part of it, right? When you're a marketable person, I mean, we all don't, we can't live in that world. We don't know what that world is, I don't think. I mean, maybe you did a little bit, but. No, hey, Brent, no. Nah. <laughs> when you have to start turning stuff down, like saying no, right? Yeah. Like, I, I'm a bad guy at saying no mm-hmm. uh, to, to just about anything. But there would, if you reach a certain status, which I won't, but if you reach a certain status, at, you have to say no. That's why you have folks kind of help to help you say no. Yeah. Uh, and I would imagine he's been offered I mean, shoot, I know we've pitched them things from a media standpoint mm-hmm. that there's a there's the middleman in between. And I don't even know if it gets to yeah, garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that amount of money. Yeah, right. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, but that's the way it works. Like, yeah. and, and so it's a fair question and an interesting one. This is such a big year for him. So but I think I thought he answered it well. You know, I think a lot of people would have kind of given this. Just whatever answer, stand pat answer, or been turned off by the question. I thought he did a great job of the question, saying, "Hey, listen, if it works, if it fits, we do some fun things. We did. He did the Snickers thing last year, mm-hmm. uh, the RV stuff, he, and now he did this Bud Light one. It's not like he's doing one a week, but uh, I think he's handled that pretty well. And you got to listen. He's only making, and I say this, I say it's only, mm-hmm. but a guy that's a starting quarterback in the NFL is only making a half a million dollars. Crazy, and that's not, that's not going to." cut it for Gardner Minshew for the rest of his life. No. Uh, so it's a very nice paycheck, Yeah. but still he's not sitting here on a $20 million payday. So all these other things certainly help from a financial standpoint, but you also do have to take advantage. Uh, and I think it's, uh, we've talked to enough of the, his marketing folks. It's very well planned out and calculated on his end to see, hey, we're going to do this right now. If it gets to another level, there might be these kind of opportunities down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they're well aware of what's going on and not putting too much in his lap, especially this season, because football is foremost. Uh, and that has to be because how he does this year, like I, I, I'll say it again, $100 on a lottery ticket or $100 million. And it's somewhere in between probably, but that's what he's got. Was Very it? few athletes get handed that kind of lottery ticket, and when they cash it in in December, January, or another year from now, it could go cha-ching, or it could be like, ah, all right, I'll go buy a Snickers. <laughs> is there um, is there like a that's risk, depressing. though? Kind of like, was it last year? Maybe it was last year with like Baker, right? He was on a ton of yes, he was, and, and he maybe extended well. himself. Yeah, yeah, but then everyone's like, "Oh, he's doing all these commercials and not, you know, performing." And by the way, that's a great call right there, Coos, because I don't know 
I, I, I just said he extended himself. I don't think he extended himself to the point where he was – he had to go shoot a commercial so he couldn't go to the playbook. That's no, not what I'm he, talking about. You know, there was a chunk of time in the offseason that he set aside for that. And Absolutely. That that. And, and Gardner even mentioned, by the way, I don't even want that stuff cutting into my rest time. Mm-hmm. Like, even when I've got downtime. I'm not trying to fill up my downtime. So that's an interesting part of it as well. An off day is an off day, but I need it to recover and rest and mentally get to the right place. But I think what Mayfield did is he – before he was good, before he got good, before, well, we're still trying to figure out if he's good. Mm-hmm. He got on all these spots and he put added pressure to deliver on the field because of the notoriety off it. I don't think Minshew's there, but that's a really good point. You got to be careful of that. You yeah. know, guys like Aaron Rodgers and Brady and all those others, well, they first had the success on the field. We found out they were good and then. They did this stuff. I think Mayfield almost did it in reverse order. No, I think you're right. You know, and listen, we don't know how much time was spent shooting those commercials and, and doing all those ads and everything like that. But, yeah, Baker Mayfield was everywhere. And whenever you're everywhere, people are going to see you. And when you see, there's an expectation, right? Because if you're the guy who's on every single commercial when I turn on my TV, I expect you to be like the best player, you know, in the NFL. And, you know, obviously Baker Mayfield wasn't that last year. So it definitely is. It's a delicate balance. It's a it's a finite ecosystem where you have to balance between cashing in on your popularity right off the get-go and all the hype and then, I guess, hedging that until later on in your career when you're more established, when you know you're going to be the starter going forward, when you know you're going to be one of the guys going forward, and then really hedging that bet to make a lot more money. It's a, it's a fine line because, let's, let's be honest, it's hard to justify making $500,000 as a starting quarterback and saying, yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm good with that. Really? Because you probably spend the most time watching film. You spend the most time in the stadium. Uh, everyone's coming up to you with the questions. You're one of the leaders on the team. That, that's a lot to ask for, right? So I feel you should be compensated for that. So you got to find that delicate balance. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a good call. You could say there was a misstep on the marketing folks or the camp of Mayfield last year mm. by doing too much. Mm-hmm. You know, again, if you do well, you got to do some. But if you do well, and again, Mayfield's in a different spot too. He's getting a lot of money for where he was drafted compared to where Minshew was Correct. drafted. But if if you do if you do well on the field, that will be there. There's no rush mm. for a guy who's already got some money. True. For a guy who's trying to take advantage of what this could be, and we it's still an unwritten story in Minshew. Yeah. I, I don't blame but, him for a moment for doing some of these things, whether it's grabbing a $50,000 endorsement fee here or a $100,000 thing here. That's a valuable thing. Mm. I mean, that's, that's part of it. You have earning opportunity. Mm-hmm. Cash in while you can. And I've said this for a year now. I think Minchu has always done a nice job of that balance. I think it's great that he's going out and having some fun. The Uncle Rico stuff, the Snickers stuff, the RV stuff, which was the offseason. But now this Bud Light stuff. Go ahead and have some fun, man. You got a little personality. You got a chance to market yourself. And but it's it's not too much. It doesn't feel like it's too much. And the other thing about marketing himself, he might be setting up something for down the road if football doesn't work out. True. And listen, and I do agree with you. I think Baker Mayfield did do too much. But at the same time, though, let's be honest. Baker Mayfield, he's got that personality, right? I mean, you saw it at Oklahoma. You saw the way he talks to, you know, the reporters in those interviews. Like, he's a very brash and outspoken individual, and people eat that up. Like, take Joe Flacco, for example. Joe Flacco never got his time in the sun in terms of marketability. Now, whether that's Boring. his personality, he's well, whatever the case may be, he's also Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. He also took a team to the Super Bowl, won it, and became the MVP. What, what commercials was he doing? Yeah. You, you see a Joe Flacco commercial? So my point is, 
I get that you have to wait until you're established and wait until you're successful, but at the same time, if you have the personality to cash in off the get-go, I say go get some of that money as well because it may never come around, just to let you know. One big difference, by the way, between – well, there's a lot of big differences, but big difference between Mayfield and Minshew. Mm-hmm. Minshew's like across the board likable. Mm-hmm. Mayfield, you can – again, you can be propped up and, yeah. and you're marketable, but he's marketable because he's polarizing. Sure. S- right? Same thing with Johnny Manziel. Like, he used to be polarizing. Not everybody liked Johnny Manziel, but he was must-see TV. Yeah. Uh, let's talk some football. Uh, final exam, I would say, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, there's some more practices, but cuts are coming. Yeah. The Jags are off Sunday, There's so that means there's five more practices before cuts, and, th- and then that's it. This is a big one. Doug Marone said earlier in the week, he described this as kind of a combo between the third and fourth preseason games. Well, what that says to me is more action for the first teamers in the so-called third preseason game. And then a lot of action for the back-end guys inside that stadium tomorrow as like that fourth preseason game. Mm -hmm. So for guys fighting for roster spots, they might have an hour tomorrow on that field to get their final statement in. For the guys that aren't fighting for roster spots but are trying to get ready for the season – they might have an hour on the field to feel ready yeah. for when the, the the fireworks start going yeah. in 16 days. Listen, and this could be like the dress rehearsal as well, because keep in mind, you have 12 rookies right now that were drafted that have no idea how pregame warm-ups work during game day. You have no idea who goes first on that stadium, who goes second, and things like that. That's what I enjoyed about the L.A. Rams during the last Hard Knocks episode, is that they actually like they mimicked like a game. Right, so they each took buses, like they had the team yeah. buses. They they traveled to their new stadium and everything, and then they kind of like mimicked, like all right, offensive lineman out first, defensive lineman out second, and things like that. So like it was as close to a game as you're gonna get. I wonder if the Jacksonville Jaguars do that tomorrow, because keep in mind, you have the youngest team right now in the NFL, and when you have the youngest team in the NFL, it means you have a very ex- inexperienced team who knows how game day works. So. Obviously, I'm looking for who's going to shine tomorrow, who's going to make the next step, make that roster. But I'm also going to be looking for how close to a game is this going to be because you have Indianapolis right around the corner right now. That's a great call. Uh, and by every coach I've ever been around the NFL says that. Mm-hmm. We're going to go over some of these things. What's it look like when you come out of the tunnel? What's yeah. it look like? Now, there's options here. You can do that even after you make cuts. And so you have smaller amount of people to worry about in that sense. Sure. Or you can do it right now. And in some respects, you could say you do it either multiple times or you're like, okay, we're still 15 days away from the game. By the time, if I taught you a math question and your exam was 15 days away, yeah. you forget it by then. So True. should we do it closer to the actual real game? But I'm going to say the one thing, though, where I would encourage them to do it tomorrow is because this is probably the most amped up you're going to be. Right, like you understand what's on the line right now. This is this is essentially your preseason three, preseason four type game. This is going to be the the live experience that you're craving right now. This is going to be what makes you adapt to that first week against the Indianapolis Colts. So with that being said, you have that adrenaline going through you a little bit, maybe some goosebumps, maybe maybe some anxiety, maybe some anxiousness, whatever that feeling is, you're going to have that tomorrow. And to be fair, when you go walk on the practice field, that's not always there. So I would rather do it when everyone's kind of in that game mode mentality as opposed to just going to the practice field and then doing like a dry run of how, you know, it's going to go for the game. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, all right, so how much does it matter tomorrow? If you're a player, mm-hmm. is there some stress tonight? Does it actually feel Man. like a game? Yeah. I mean, again, I do think this is going to be a little more amped up. This feels like an important it practice to, to me from the outside. It I, has to I, be. I mean, I might be mis- misreading. Well, I, it just I hope feels you're not. like a big one. <laughs> I hope you're not misreading it. Yeah, I mean, this is... This could be the the biggest practice of training camp because 
this practice has to be put in place to answer any questions that you have right now. If there's guys fighting for positions um, to make the team, those questions have to be answered tomorrow. Depth purposes. Depth purposes should be answered, or at least you should have a good idea about that tomorrow. So, I mean, those are two big things uh, to have, whether it's a successful, a successful season or a season that goes in the tank. So to answer your question, I think it's probably the most important practice of the season. Yeah, I agree. I think so, too. How much do you think, in your experience in the NFL, the roster is already pretty much completed, uh, even with a week to go? Listen, they have to have some idea right now, right? Well, so, I, I mean, when we're talking about, like, what percentage of the roster do I think is already in place, I mean, I think we're talking 85, 90%, maybe even higher. Um, I think that, realistically, out of Saturday, you can maybe see probably three or four guys possibly cement themselves to get a, a spot on the team. You know, like, it's the deciding factor. Um but truth be told, like, there's a lot of spots already locked up, obviously, and the coaches know what they – I mean, they should, right? Like, they shouldn't be like, all right, well, let's see uh, who wants to be the starting linebacker. Like, no, you, you already have a pretty good idea of uh, who you're going to try out there on week one. If you don't have position battles, mm-hmm. uh, more like intense ones, like if we already think the line's all set, mm-hmm. uh, we know who the tight ends are going to be. We know who the running back's going to be. Mm-hmm. We know who the receivers are going to be. Uh, the linebackers, we've got a pretty good idea. Secondary seems to be up for grabs. Maybe a lot of competition at the back end of that from a number standpoint. And the defensive line is still a little iffy in my mind. Is it competition or attrition? Uh, which one's winning the day? Yeah. Uh, my point of the thing, my point of this is if you don't have a lot of back end battles for roster spots, does that mean you're not talented? Does that mean you don't have depth? Is there something to read into there? Yeah. So is it good? Like, listen, you can have a good battle going on in the secondary for your 8, 9, 10 spots, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But you could be battling with a bunch of guys that are pretty mediocre. Sure. They got a lot of young guys. We have no, not a lot of proven commodities in that back end here in Jacksonville. Or you could just be like, listen, we got 8, 9, Ten solid guys. We got guys we really like. We have talent here that we think is going to grow and emerge. And that's kind of the idea of 2020 to a degree for the Jags is to groom new talent. Mm -hmm. And we think we have it here. And so that's why there's a lot of competition. That's why it's a tough decision to make. You know what I'm saying? No, You can have really good players. You can have a lot of mediocre players. It can still be a tough decision to make. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) listen, that's a great point, right? And and obviously – Having those extra practice squad guys um, is going to make that decision a little easier of, say, you have some pretty raw guys that maybe you'd want to keep just try to develop them a little bit. Maybe they're not to caliber quite yet, but it's like, man, this kid's got potential. I see potential. Let me coach him a couple more weeks to see where he's at. So that's what the practice squad spots now are designated for, and you have more of them, which is nice. But to answer your question, I mean, it, it could work both ways, Brent. You know, you have the situation. Like, listen. Look at, like, the Kansas City Chiefs both the Ravens right now. Like, do you think there's, you know, a lot of depth chart battles going on right now in training camp? You think, like, oh, man, like, who's – probably not, right? Because, I mean, they, they have a pretty good roster, I'm sure, from top yeah. to bottom. I haven't been following with the microscope, but I can only assume, right? So, yeah, maybe you got a couple guys here vying to make that roster spot. For here, it's the same. And what you're asking is, I mean, is it – a bad sign because you don't have a lot of competition, so that means that, you know, you know, it is what it is. You know what? Roster turnover happens every single year. Obviously, you look at last year what happened, 6-10. and 10, You know, it, it was a rough season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I think right now, being that they're so young, 
that's the intriguing part, right? Where if you had a lot of veterans on the team, right? Maybe like a lot of, let's call them journeymen, or um, I don't want to call them washed up guys, but just a lot of journeymen, right? And it's like, well, you know, is he, no, we're talking about, well, can this young guy make the team? Can this young guy make the team? All right. And sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes young guys don't work here and they work someplace else and they become pro boys. It's just mm-hmm. the way it works, especially, it seems like in Jacksonville sometimes. So I like the fact that they're young, though, okay? I'm not going to say, yeah, they're, they're an all pro team right now, but I'm just going to say, I think from the depth perspective, at least they're young guys that hopefully you get good coaching around them, they can grow into something. I'm with you, too. I kind of like I like the young guys because it gives us an unknown here yeah. in Jacksonville. You've got a good point. If you've got a bunch of veteran guys and been kind of journeyman guys, well, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. And so it's one thing to have a lack of talent, perceived talent, with those guys, with all due respect to them. And it's another thing to have a lack of talent because you have unproven commodities. Correct. And I at least like the fact that there's hope and optimism and unknown about the younger players because we haven't seen them. There are a lot of them now. <laughs> but uh, it's an interesting way to look at it. And, and I mean, listen, it's crystal clear. Jaguars don't have a ton of talent. They're not the most talented roster in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they might have more talent than people want to admit. Very we true. just don't know it yet. Uh, we'll find out if the Jaguars really uh, have that or not. Hey, we're going to take a time out here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. When we come back, Kuz uh, reminded me of something today. He lives in a totally different world than I do. Uh-oh. One other note, too, that I have to get off my chest. The kids and Steph took a little trip down to Orlando. Okay. For a day or so, they went to Disney. They actually did it. Yeah. Where are you at, man? I was why, here. Why are you here right now? I'm working. I could have took over. No, no, they did it earlier in the week. Ah. Uh. And I, it hit me <laughs> when they got back that there's no doubt they love the amusement park Uh-oh. more than me. Brent's going to be a Disney dad. <laughs> Not me. I ain't going. <laughs> Send them there. <laughs> Get them a chaperone. They, they know it. They can have it. Get them a chaperone. They love it. That's can they fine. Take, can they take Nicole? By the way, she wants to go all this Disney time. Dad. Disney Steph's Dad. Steph's the worst of them all. Disney Dad. Steph Disney can take Mom. Okay. She loves it down there. She's a Disney junkie, huh? Oh my gosh, it's odd. It's but it just reminded me. It's kind of like a cult, isn't it? It's a it, now that's a cult. Hey, we might have to put that documentary? to the cult test. Excuse me, you call Netflix right now. <laughs> hey, <laughs> softball, you're out. Disney, you're yeah. in. <laughs> that would we gotta be think good. of a title for that. Now. Let's go. <laughs> Next up is BN690. Have some fun with that. Uh, it's been a great process, you know, learning the offense, getting into it uh, with everybody. I think we're at a point now, you know, where a lot of the heavy lifting is, you know, up to this point it's been a race trying to get a lot of reps. And now it's going to be more fine-tuned game planning and uh, really just getting the finer points ready for Indianapolis. And um, I feel really good about it. Hey, good words from Gardner Minshew. Feels good about the offense and where it's headed we'll see uh we will see i'm excited about their offense too i mean it's it's a little bit of blind faith but at the same time uh i think they have some reasons to get excited and i'm uh i'm higher on on gardner Minshew than certainly the national folks are when it comes to jacksonville although i will say this austin brought up a good point either earlier in the week or, or last week you know when you're when your offense carries the freight it doesn't always mean wins yeah. You brought up Detroit. Uh, they were like third in the league, I think. You brought Tampa up Atlanta, which year. was like sixth. Tampa Bay. Maybe Tampa Bay was third. But yeah. you get it. Uh, yeah. The top six offenses, and those teams combined for like 14 wins or whatever it was. I mean, it wasn't 
It does not mean success automatically. Correct. Uh, now they're just, just having a good defense. Yeah. But you do need some complimentary football in there, I guess, uh, is the point. This is fun to watch. Well, but, and I'm telling you, <laughs> that would be actually a, a minor win yeah. in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. It, it really would. I mean, we watched some really gross offensive football at times mm-hmm. here in Jacksonville. And so I, I, maybe that's why I'm excited that at least there could be some fun put in where it would be some fireworks. It, it could be some filling up the scoreboard. It could be like, hey, they get the ball, and I do anticipate they can go down here and score a touchdown. Yeah. And, and it's certainly a far cry, I would think, I hope, from, with all due respect, the Blaine Gabbert days, uh, you know, the, your final year, where, yeah. quite honestly, getting 150 yards passing was a chore. Yeah. Uh, in a league where getting 150 <laughs> yards happens on two drives. Correct. So, and that was reality. And that's what Jacksonville has experienced. Outside of 17, it's been pretty much an eyesore. And even in 17, I mean, still, Blake had his critics. The the actual fun nature of their offense probably wasn't there. Mm -hmm. The productivity was much better. And they cashed in on a defense that was giving them a ton of opportunities. And they were fantastic in the red zone. That's one thing about 17. Mm -hmm. Blake, I think, was like something like 15, 16, 17 touchdowns and no picks in the red zone. So he was very productive. Uh, in the red zone. The problem with this football team last year, not productive in the red zone. So they'll have to increase that uh, much, much more. I think Steven's hanging on the line before we get to a few light, fun topics. Uh, what's up, Steven? Hope you're doing well, man. Now he's here. Maybe. There you go. What's up? Yeah. Uh, I had a question when you were talking about position battles. Uh, you were mentioning certain positions, and then I heard you say running back. Because uh, I know Austin mentioned before he wanted to try and see if Tavian Feaster would make the roster and he got cut and then I'm surprised to hear James Robinson is still on the roster but I hear from media or read certain things that he might actually be in a position battle with a Zippo basically to see who's on the practice squad or who's on the sideline uh yeah appreciate it Stephen thanks for the call uh you know here's the thing from my point of view I think they like a Zigbo a lot mm-hmm. from what I've gathered over the last year. Mm-hmm. Now, running backs are hard to tell in camp. We know that. That's Tomorrow could be a big day yep. for what you're talking about, Stephen, because even just these few live reps, running backs do usually separate themselves in preseason games. No doubt about that. Uh, and so I think they know what they have in a Zigbo. I think they've seen a little bit of flashes that got them excited in the offseason. Enough, by the way. That they were excited enough about Armstead and the Zigbo that they were willing to put Fournette on the trade market. So remember that, that they kind of liked what they had with those two guys. They were comfortable enough yep. that they wouldn't be vacant at the position. They had Chris Thompson. We know he's on the team. I think Correct. Armstead and the Zigbo are going to be there with Fournette. I think those are your four guys. The question is, do you keep Bruce Miller? And then you bring up uh, James Robinson and Nate Cottrell, Nathan Cottrell. And I actually think that's a guy they might be seeing some really good things. Early in camp, they were. We'll see if that holds. He's not going to make the team, I don't think, right out, right away. But he would be an interesting guy to stash on the practice. You're squad. talking about uh, Robinson or Cottrell? Cottrell. Cottrell. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, uh, again, that's that's. I would say I've seen more from Cottrell. Yeah. Than Robinson. Yeah. Uh, they and that would be more. Uh, again, I'm not. I haven't been out there at every practice. I really haven't. So I'm not going to say I have been. Mm-hmm. But just the ones that I have seen, the the scuttlebutt that I have heard, uh, the conversations I've had, I would think uh, Cottrell has a chance. Um, but again, I think he's going to be someone. You got a 16 person practice squad, and yeah. both Robinson and Cottrell could be in that. Yeah. Uh, that 
the, that's where those guys will land. I, I think Azigbo's on the roster. I'd be surprised if he's not on the 53. See, and man, you want to talk about a position that needs preseason games probably more than any position? Yeah. It's running back position, right? Because you talk about Robinson, small school product, had a lot of success in the small schools. We don't know where he's going to be, if he's going to be on the roster, practice squad, whatever. But like it reminds me, and once again, going back to Hard Knocks, Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler, the only reason why he made the uh, Los Angeles Chargers was because of that last preseason game where he flashed a little bit, and they said we, we couldn't cut him. Well, we, we had to find a spot for him, and now look at Austin Eckler. He's he's the bell cow, if you will, of the Chargers. Another, another small school guy out of Western uh, State, Colorado. Not even sure where that is, Brent. Didn't know that was even a college. Are, are, are they still there? Or is it like Nebraska-Omaha where they discontinued the football it's program? It's next to Colorado School of the Mines. Shout out to Zach Miller, by the way. He's uh, Omaha, uh, Nebraska-Omaha there. But, um, yeah, so... I mean, listen, it's such a hard position because if you're not going to go live every single rep, how do you know what you have? You know, like it's one thing to go, okay, we can hit, uh, you know, and, and, you know, tap up and anything like that. But the whole point of the running back position is to try to avoid tacklers, break through tackles, yards after care, stuff like that. And it's hard to tell, I think, at the running back position. So maybe you could see some stuff tomorrow, but it could be one of those positions where we're talking about guys going on the waiver wire that get picked up by some other team that have successful careers after this. Are you a little surprised, actually? They've only got like six backs in camp anyway. I mean, well, Miller count too, but yeah. they, I think that's what shows you. It's like they don't really, they kind of know what they have there. Well, especially because obviously Chris Thompson, Rock Armstead, and then a Zigbo, I think. I mean, they're pretty and much shoe-ins. Yeah, I'm well, obviously Leonard, too. But So, like, they're all shoe-ins. So, like, yeah, you don't really have a lot of depth, per se, I think, for a competition. Yeah. I, I just sometimes you figure you get more uh, activity uh, than that. So, anyway, that's a running back spot. Again, tomorrow could go a long way for that mm-hmm. running back spot, maybe above all other positions, uh, to just solidify things. Uh, I said earlier, by the way, uh, that I feel like uh, my family likes uh, Disney and Magic Kingdom and all the rest of them, Universal included, yeah. more than they like me. They went to Universal, and I'm telling you, when they got home, Kaylee talked about Universal Studios and the the water park and the rides, whatever they went on. And by the, it was very quiet. Yeah. Uh, they said they do a great job, by the way, with the masks and social distancing, uh, hand sanitizer, all that stuff. Very strict policy. Uh, and I've heard that several times. It's why they actually took a trip down there, but it's very cool. Like you can walk on rides. Yep. Uh, so, but I don't know if Kaylee's ever said so much in her life combined as she said when she got back. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, you're 15. It's not like you're six. Yep. I was just explaining every ride to me. So here we now go. Now listen, Steph's, I won't give her age because you're not supposed to, 43. Uh, and uh, she is the same way. <laughs> like, this, the nice. way my family lights up talking about Disney and, and Universal, yeah, I can guarantee you they don't talk about me that way to others. <laughs> so, I mean, this is like you're on the couch right now, man. Spit it out there. Get it out there in the universe. Is there something you, you well, like like hey, that much, though? Uh, let me ask you this. Ten signs you're probably in a cult. Another website, Brent. The leader is the ultimate authority. Would you agree the leader is the ultimate authority? Mickey? 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 Mickey Mouse? <laughs> the the group suppresses skepticism and dresses in a uniform. Mouse ears? <laughs> uniform. Okay. Um, the group deli- delegitimizes former members. Nah. Nah. Okay, okay. The group is paranoid about the outside world. They're, they're, so. But they're defensive. They're, they gotta stick up for themselves all the time. A little bit. Okay. 
They welcome the outside world, though. The, the group relies on shame cycles. No? No. The, the leader's above the law. Mm, I mean, there's a lot of people going to Disney right now. <laughs> the group is elitist. If they're talking about them more than, you know, you. Yep, okay. That, uh, Are you saying my family's in the cult? I think, I think they're drinking the Kool-Aid, Brett. <laughs> I think, and you know what? It's not sugar-free. So you might want to check in on that real quick because we got a documentary in our hands, my friend. Uh, big weekend at Daytona coming up and uh, how my world and our world's different than Coos's world these days. <laughs> That's for dang sure. That's also next on ESPN 690. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 